The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Good morning, you're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California, streaming online at KUCI.org and podcasting on iTunes. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd, the show's engineer. We've enjoyed bringing this show since 2005. Your host is Mari Frank, a local attorney since 1985. She's a certified information privacy professional and the author of several books, including Safeguard Your Identity, Protecting Yourself with a Personal Privacy Audit, and The Complete Idiot's Guide to Recovering from Identity Theft. Mari's testified many times on privacy issues in Congress and the California Legislature. She served as a privacy expert for numerous court cases nationwide and at a White House press conference featured on C-SPAN. You may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, The O'Reilly Factor, and many more shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash Privacy Piracy. Mari, what's our show about this morning? Well, Lloyd, today our show is about a company called CrowdThink and social networking, and it's a fascinating uh, new idea, and we're going to be speaking with uh, the CEO and founder and managing director of CrowdThink. You can find out more about him on our website at KUCI.org slash privacy piracy and also at their website at crowdthink.com. That's K R O W D T H I N K think.com. And uh, let me tell you a little bit about him. Besides being the uh, managing director of CrowdThink LTD, Jeff conceived and defi- defined the CrowdThink is a social networking service that he launched on Apple App Store and Google Play just last month. So it's very new and exciting. And Jeff has spent the last 10 years as an independent strategic marketing consultant helping some of the most innovative silicon and software companies break into and position themselves in the core ecosystems of tech markets. He's uh, been vice president of uh, companies that were in Europe, that work with California. He's done a tremendous amount of work with other companies prior to starting this company. And he says he's happiest making an impact through innovation. So let's find out a little bit about this. And thank you, Jeff, for joining us all the way from the United Kingdom. Hello, and thank you, Marie. Uh, Very pleased to be here. Yes, and I know that you are familiar with California, so we're thrilled to have you. So first of all, let's tell a little bit about tech, how you started this this new app. Um, the inspiration came, um, like many inspirations do, from, from your children, in fact. Um, my eldest uh, was coming up age 13 and, uh, and asked Daddy if uh, she could have a, a social networking uh, an account. Um, and I think that's a kind of a pivotal moment for every parent when they start to consider their child going online and, and creating a digital life. And 
my years in industry have exposed me to uh, both the nature of the data that is, is uh, obtainable through uh, online activities and also the, the use that it's uh, possible to make of that data for profiling, tracking, and, and targeting people. So I had quite a bit of insight, and, of course, my gut reaction was to say no. <laughs> right. um, and my wife, like uh, many good wives do, said, well, that's all very well and good. What's the alternative? Right. And that's really what got me thinking. So your daughter is responsible for this creative solution, right? Exactly. <laughs> So let's talk about CrowdThink. It says, uh, social gone local, connecting people in places. So let's talk about how um, this connects people without tracking location and how it really protects your daughter. Well, one of the things that uh, I, I became very aware of quite quickly was that women, of all the different types of data that are out there, um, there's one particular piece of information that is incredibly insightful, more insightful than any other data. Uh, it's generally referred to as the metadata, and that is the data about when, how, and with whom you communicate. Um, and where you do that from is also incredibly insightful. So um, trying to figure out how to build a social network in a mobile age when pretty much everybody else in this space is trying to say, go, go down the road of, uh, obtaining the you know the crown jewels of the data set um, in terms of marketing terms, the value uh, value terms, and say, okay, this is going to happen anyway. But is there a way of delivering a mobile social network that delivers value in a location that doesn't track you and doesn't profile you? And that's kind of the, the sort of core underlying technology for what we've built, which is. Uh, essentially a co what we call co-location technology. And what we figured out was it was entirely possible for the purposes of delivering a social networking app to connect people together in locations without actually knowing at all where they are. So, for example, in our app, you don't need to turn on location-based services at all. Uh, we figured out how to co-locate people, and that's all you need to facilitate you know, digital communication in a locality. And that's sort of the bedrock technology of, of the crowd, which is the name of the application. Right. And so this protects when you're worried about your young daughter and somebody tracking where she is and she's not home. That gives you a little bit more peace of mind. So what, what about the other issues with, you know, uh, the, the privacy of who you're talking with and uh, where, when you're talking? How about that kind of stuff? What do you, what do, you do with CrowdThink with that? Well, one of the, we've built a, a sort of um, what we call our trust pyramid, but one of the building blocks of that is uh, a design requirement that every time we build a feature into the application, we spend a lot of time to figure out how little data we can do it with, and if we do have to obtain data from somebody to deliver the service. The question we always ask ourselves is, how short a time can we maintain access to that data? How quickly can we remove it from our servers? Um, and how quickly can that be done uh, to deliver the, the capabilities into the application? So we very much have what we call a data minimization policy. And this is also very important because um, one of the other fundamentals of any uh, online system is, is security. But as any good security person will tell you that uh, at the end of the day, it's totally impossible to guarantee uh, the security of any data online or any data in transit. You can do your best, 
but you cannot guarantee. So we believe that by having a data minimization policy, that we're not only um, not tracking our, our customers and our users, but in addition to that, if we are ever hacked into, then we are uh, the least attractive of all places to go for the hacker. So the amount of data that you would get from hacking us versus Facebook, for example, would be you know, orders of magnitude less. Right. And one of the things that we that sort of gave us the insight for doing this was, was some articles we read about how uh, in the dark uh, cyber economy, the um, the criminals would much prefer to get a hacked Facebook account because they can sell it on for around about six times more than they could sell on a hack of your bank account. Hmm. Interesting. And when you think about that, you have to think, well, why is that? Yeah. And of course, the question and the answer to that is is that there's multiple uses for the information, so they can take the same data and repackage it and sell it to a half a dozen different types of people for roughly the same amount of money, or maybe more for certain types of data over others. Mm-hmm. Whereas with a bank account, you know, there's lots of protection mechanisms. They may be able to get access to a few thousand dollars, then it will get closed down, and they've also got to have, you know really protect themselves very carefully. Whereas you and I. Mm-hmm. We don't really know how to uh, pursue, I know you've written a book on this, but we don't really understand how to uh, retain or recover from that data theft. Right, right. The identity theft, right. Exactly. Yeah. So given that in a social network we're sharing by default, okay, um, Mm -hmm. what, uh, what is privacy really in a social network? Well, I think there's, there's really sort of um, one key component to it, and that is you've got to ask yourself the question is, who is in control? Because okay. privacy is actually a function of control. And when we look at other social networks, we see that actually what they're trying to do as a commercial entity is obtain your information and then feed back to you through their privacy policy and their privacy tools some level of control that they've decided to give you. That's, we believe, fundamentally an incorrect uh, commercial engagement model for social networking. By default, you should be in control. Right. You are the user. Uh-huh. So you then have to think about what is control and, and how does that get manifest into a social network. And there's really three building blocks for that. Uh, one is the control of uh, who I'm communicating with and what data gets shared with them. So that has to be something that you have to make intuitive at the level of the user interface. You have to really think about your application and say, is it obvious to this person that when they're using this part of the application, who they're sharing information with? Because that's privacy. Right, right. So that's the first setting point. The second point is, how do they validate? How do they have control over this by validating that this really is happening? So this is where transparency comes in. And we publish on our website every type of data that we hold about our about you in order to deliver the service, and also precisely what purpose we use that data for, and in addition, the you know some insight to the level of security that we build around that individual piece of data. So we, we provide, and clearly, you know, ninety nine percent of users won't understand most of that stuff. But if there's one percent out of there keep uh, of our customer base keeping a close eye on it, I think that's a good thing. Yes. Yes. The third component is what we call remedy. So the first two are actually things that have come about and been heavily researched by the World Economic Forum 
Uh, and they talk about control uh, and they talk about transparency as two tools for empowerment of the user as building blocks for delivering trust. But the third component, they talk about accountability, which is actually just sort of saying, you know, you've got to be accountable to the law. But actually, the reality is, online, how many of us are really in a position to use the law to hold a large corporate entity accountable for what we may consider to be a breach of some sort? Kind yeah. of difficult, really. Yeah. So yeah. we actually believe that the third component is to actually really empower the user with the right to remove their information because data, in, even in our environment, is still the key value proposition. Right, right. So if you as a user can remove that data, you can take value away from our social network. That's a pretty good way of keeping us honest. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, the way we've architected that is that uh, that right down to an individual post that may have been shared a thousand times with a thousand people, but if at some later date you also want to kind of forget that you did that, um, you know, you want to remove that, then it should be removed from the thousand people that shared it because it's still ultimately your data because you are in control. So you're saying that if if someone wants to remove it from your social network, it also removes it from from others who shared that? No, because no, I was going to say no. From the sharing with others within the social network. Oh, within that. Okay, okay, yeah. yeah. Yeah, because I was going to say, you know, that, that's going to be beyond your control, <laughs> right? Right, yeah. The application itself is a closed environment. So it, it, you, we've actually built it so that you, you know, the information cannot leak out of the, uh, out of the crowd. Oh, so as long as well, we that's give you the important. To yeah. Move the data in and out. Oh, so you can't remove it from there. That's that's very it, different too, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, we don't connect it through to the internet in general because of all of the uh, tracking tools that are available to people. Um, well, as soon as you connect through to the internet, so we keep it in the environment. We think this is important because actually, what we're all we're really facilitating is enhanced digital conversations in the locality. We don't really need the whole internet for that. We use the internet to provide the tool. But we don't need to share that information across the internet to enhance that local conversation. So this is this is um, only th- and now. Is this on every platform? Like it's on Apple or Windows? I mean, can you can you get through to this social networking with any kind of uh, mobile device? Uh, just Apple and Android devices. Yeah, you know that's why I just I got a an iPhone six plus. I used to have Windows, but I could never get anything fun like this. So, <laughs> so I'm glad <laughs> I can do it now with my my iPhone six plus, right? Exactly. Yes, you can. Oh, great, great. Well, this is this is really wonderful. I mean, this is uh, so you just launched, right? Just correct. Yeah. Yeah, we're really trying to, you know, set a new standard for um, user empowerment in uh, social networking online. And uh, But at the same time, we think we have to do that with uh, an application that delivers social networking in new and different context. And that new and different context is mobile and locality. And if we consider, if we just focus on that, we can do something that is not being done by the incumbent players that are out there, but is delivering something new and different but at the same time is is built upon principles that are really uh, pretty radical. 
we believe. Well, they're they're privacy conscious. That's what they are. They're Extremely, right. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now, it says here, I'm looking at social. It says, um, be whom you want where you are. The crowd helps you make real-life connections. You only share that relevant part of your profile right here, right now, at work or at campus, the pub, or an event. You control which parts of your person are visible globally or locally. So what do you mean by that? So if it's so, a closed cloud, right, it's a closed environment. Right, yeah. So the when you create a post um, into your profile, uh, which we call a persona, um, one of the things that we recognize with locality is that who I am somewhat depends upon where I am. In the same way that I get dressed differently to go to work or to go to the pub or to go to a private party, who we are in different locations right. varies as well. Oh, I see. Okay. So when you think about that, then actually the elements of, the, of who you are, myself, you know, that, that element of who I am for the purposes of connecting to the people around me is really just a subset. And right. so every time you create a, per, uh, a profile component that goes into your persona, you can just tag it with uh, what we call with a persona setting. Then when you're in a location, you just select the persona that you are. So if you're at work, you're, you know, it's, a, it's a work persona. If, uh, if you're down in the shopping mall, it's your shopping persona. If it's uh, home and family, it's, it's, it's home and family. If it's social down the pub. Uh, and so on, and sports and entertainment. Um, we, we allow you to get about eight or nine different uh, persona breakdowns. So that, you know, just because I'm in a place doesn't mean I want to share everything about me. Right, the right. I want to share are, should be under my control. It comes back to that control element again. Right. So if, you know, right now with Facebook, for example, uh, any employer, potential employer, can look on there and maybe you've been at the pub or... <laughs> Or the bar, or whatever, and um, and and somebody sees that, and they don't like that, and they, you know, want to fire you or something. That's not going to happen on on your uh, social network CrowdThink, right? Because they wouldn't even have access to it. Correct. Yeah. Huh. That's great. So, how do you invite someone to? Let's say I signed up and I want to invite my husband on there or something, or I want to invite my friends. How do you uh, do that? I'm glad you asked that question because it's, it's, it's something that confuses some of our early adopters um, because you know, we're coming at socialization from a real-life perspective as opposed to some virtual cloud perspective. So because of that, actually, uh, the primary mechanism is by discovering people in your locality. So... In the first phase, is where we expect this app to be uh, predominantly used will probably be at events and conferences. Uh, we're working with some events and conference companies to make this, you know, the one app that they use at every event. Um, you know, we just all you have to do is download the app, yeah, turn up, you know what, the Wi-Fi, um, and discover. Yeah, you know what they uh, we just uh, just in March. I was at the International Association of Privacy Professionals. The annual convention is in Washington, D.C. It's their international program. You should really talk to them because we had an app for the privacy conference, you know, to see what's going on and, you know, don't miss this, don't miss that, and people communicating with each other. That would be a perfect place, a privacy conference. Well, yeah, in fact, we are actually talking to, uh, not to them, although I have actually contacted them and suggested that uh, we could talk. 
and we certainly uh, sent them an email um, when we launched the application to make them aware of what we're doing. Yeah. Um, Trevor, when we actually tre- look at event yeah. apps, there's actually hundreds of companies that do event apps, and, and one of the sort of ludicrous things that we observed was that somehow or other they expect us as attendees to download a new app for each event, learn how to use it, and then populate it with enough data to make it usable for, what, eight hours? <laughs> I mean, yeah, just by saying that, you, you realize how nonsensical it is. So why can't we just have one app that just works at every event, that just does one thing, which is one of the two things you want to be very good at at an event? The event organizers want to manage the content and give you a high-quality content. That's one of the reasons you attend. The other reason as attendee is to network with the people that are there. Our app focuses on that facilitation of that exercise and making it very, very easy through uh, your mobile device. Right. Now, the nice thing is you make connections at one event, you turn up at the next one, you will automatically see these are people you've met before. Right, right. Now, you also suggest maybe doing it on campuses, like university campuses or maybe high school campuses, right? Yeah. Now, that's slightly, you know, that's a different context of use. Um, but, uh, yeah, absolutely. The universities, we think, is another great place because most campuses are, you know, have Wi-Fi across the whole campus. Right. And we can you know, facilitate, the, you know, the, the students to connect across uh, the campus with a social network that is specific to their campus just because that's where they are. Um, and privacy for, for students in some respects is something a little bit more to do with the fact that what goes on in campus should stay on campus. Right. And when they leave campus and go into the work world, they don't really want that life to follow them. Right, right. So part of that is the control of your persona so that you can have a student persona, which, you know, you never turn on when you go to your work environment. Therefore, anything that went on in that is not seen by anybody in your work environment. Well, the second element of it is, you know, let's face it, we all say things where we're young that we perhaps regret. Right. And the ability to delete that and know that it's been deleted by your social network provider, that's pretty empowering. Right, right, right. The, the, because if it's all over the place, then there's no way you can really delete it, right? People are going to find it if it's on Facebook or one of these other social uh, platforms, yeah. right? Exactly. Uh, that's why we think actually the app environment in many ways is a very powerful mechanism for delivering privacy into a platform because you can segregate it from the Internet uh, in many ways and very much control the way in which the Internet delivers its services so that, uh, you know, you keep that kind of data leakage to a minimum. Right. What about pictures? Like, you know, like they have Instagram and, and Facebook. What about pictures? How do, yeah. how do you deal with pictures? Yeah, they're, they're part of the persona. Um, so you can take a picture and, and put it straight into your persona. The way to think about your persona is really um, like a, a cross, between, well, it's kind of like a Facebook wall and, and, a, and a Tumblr blog. It's a cross between the two. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you can integrate pictures into that. Right. Now, can you send specific people private messages on this platform, too? Yes, you can. Um, well, there's two levels of messaging in, in the application. Uh, the first is that there's like a broadcast mechanism that works across everybody in the locality. Um, so that's kind of a way in which we can have a, you know, a location-based discussion. Um, we'll be used in different ways in different locations, but at conferences, for example, it might be used by the attendees to suggest questions for when the, uh, the delegate finishes speaking. 
Oh, that's good, um, yeah. But on cross campus, it's much more about, hey, what's happening right now that's really hot? Or, you know, come to this, it's really cool, or whatever it might be. It's sort of, it could be used as more of an alert type tool. Right. So that's kind of the broadcast messaging. Um, but of course, as part of a sort of an introductory type tool, then, you know, if you do see a profile of somebody on the in the crowd that you think is interesting you want to meet, then obviously that's a private discussion. And... Uh, you can there's a one-to-one messaging integrated into it as well, and a bit like Snapchat, it, we use ephemeral tools for that. So once you send the message, uh, as soon as it's delivered, um, it's deleted from our server. We maintain no record of it, so it can't be uh, obtained by a hacker. And the only two places that it exists, unlike Snapchat, which you know deletes it from who it's delivered to, we think that's a little um, well. I should say it encourages certain types of messaging that we don't want to encourage. Right. Um, so in our world, you send a message to somebody and it's delivered, it, it continues to exist only in two places, your phone and theirs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And is there any mechanism that if you wanted to delete it from their phone that you can do that? No. 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 no, no. If, you, if you were happy to send them a message and you should be happy enough for them to keep a record of that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Although sometimes people will send a message to the wrong person. You know, I don't know if that's possible. I've, I've had that happen where people will tell me that they sent the message to the wrong person. <laughs> so um, then they would want to delete it. So that, that was the only question I have about well, that. Well, you also have to remember that in the crowd, um, we don't actually require real names or any real um, identifying information. So your identity in the crowd can be as pseudonymous as you like. So uh, in general, I wouldn't recommend using your real name um, for your crowd name. The idea is that uh, you're in a crowd of people and you're strangers in general. So you're, you should have a name that's you know, pseudonymous until uh, you've decided to meet in real life. I see, I see. But like, you know, I don't know, just because I see you across the room doesn't mean I instantly know your name. Right. Why should I? Right. Um, that's, an, that's an intrusion upon your privacy. Right. So we use pseudonymous uh, naming conventions inside the app because we try to replicate that real-life uh, crowd engagement um, uh, look feel to the to the to the application. Mm-hmm. So uh, you have some strong views on legal jurisdiction. Wh- what's your approach with CrowdThink? Well, one of the things we noted about most of these large international companies is that they spend a lot of time um, deciding where to incorporate uh, their company uh, to maximize the benefits to the business and where they store the data to minimize the likelihood that uh, you know, they're going to get intruded upon from a corporate point of view. And somewhere down the road, at some point or other, they start to consider the, um, the benefits to the end user. Uh, we start at a different point. We, we look at jurisdiction and say, okay, where's the best jurisdiction to empower our customers? And across the world, there's, there are some commonalities of, of legal structure, but... Let's take the difference between America and Europe as a, as a really simple start point. Mm-hmm. In, in America, when you go online, you have no right to privacy. Right, right. That's the start point. Yes, yes. Okay. Um, and then you are granted some privacy by the corporation in ways through a terms and conditions document that you don't read, and even if you did, you would probably wouldn't understand. Right, and you have the uh, right to opt out instead of opt in, so, yeah. Exactly, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, that's not what I would call empowering. No. So what's kind of interesting about the crowd is that we looked around and said, well, actually, 
the data protection legislation in Europe is pretty strong, and yes. it starts with the assumption as a fundamental principle, as a fundamental human right, that you have a right to privacy for your personal data. Yes, yes. And personal data in Europe isn't just your name and address. It's all of the information that pertains to you. Yes. Now, it's as yet to be fully tested as to where that stands around issues like metadata, you know, the mm. data about your data. Right, right. Um, from a personal. But in general terms, when I've spoken to the Information Commissioner's Office in the, here in the UK, the answer is if it pertains to an individual, it's personal. Yes. So mm. the start point by, by being here is that you have a right. So that means even if you're an American using our app, we, we keep your data under uh, European jurisdiction, under European data protection laws, which means you as a user have rights over that data in the same way as a European does. I think that's incredibly empowering for uh, you know, the American audience. Yes, yes, I love it. Well, thank you so much. We're just about out of time, so I would like you to just give your website and... Um I think it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful app. We've been speaking with Jeff Revel from the UK. And give us your website, and it's time to go. Well, thank you very much for your time, Marie. And uh, the website is www.crowdthink.com. That's crowd with a K. And on the app stores, it's the crowd with a K. All right. Well, we will be watching, and I'm going to try it out. It sounds great. Thank you so much for your time. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank Bye-bye. You. Bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM Minervine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 8 a.m. And visit our website at KUCI.org slash privacy piracy. And let us know about your concerns and thoughts about privacy in the information age. Thanks. Stay private. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.